Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. Today we are in the fourth week of our important sermon series called On Earth as it is in Heaven. And remember, what we're doing in this series is exploring in even deeper ways what it is we mean when we proclaim at Great Bend First Christian Church. Our vision is to bring heaven to earth in all we do. Our vision, our God-given purpose, is to bring heaven to earth in all we do. Which we are doing not just to help us as a congregation continue to become the church that God is calling us to be, which is absolutely amazing. But most importantly, because bringing heaven to earth is what it looks like for you and I to live our lives as followers of Christ every single day. So in week one, and to put everything into perspective, we began with the Lord's Prayer. And what we discovered in this foundational prayer is that our purpose as Christians is not just about getting to heaven when we die, although that's important, although that's foundational, but also includes bringing heaven to earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then in week two, to start to get in the practicality of what bringing heaven to earth looks like lived out, what we discovered is that what comes first is loving God with everything that we are and loving our neighbors as ourselves. And then last week, we discovered that if we want to be great in God's kingdom, if we want to go out and do incredible things in God's eyes, then what we have to do is become servants of the world or the kind of people who make the lives of others more important than our own. But now that we understand that loving God and our neighbor, along with serving the world, is what bringing heaven to earth looks like, lived out, at least so far, today to continue to build on that, I want to talk to you about how living the kingdom also includes treating all people, regardless of who they are, as our equals. Which, given all that is going on in our country, is something that I think we all need to think about and wrestle with to see how we can be a part of the solution. Now, to put this teaching into perspective, I need to share with you some ancient dinner table etiquette, which I know doesn't sound too exciting at first, but stick with me because I guarantee this is going to blow your mind. So what we know about the ancient world is that both inside and outside of the Jewish faith, there were some pretty strict spoken and unspoken rules and regulations regarding who people were supposed to eat with or who people were supposed to spend time with, which basically boiled down to this particular idea. Who you ate with or who you spent time with defined who you were. Who you ate with or who you spent time with defined who you were. Or to make this a bit more practical, try to imagine yourself as a wealthy landowner in ancient Galilee. Or one of those people who was a part of the upper crust of your society during the time of Jesus. Because what that meant for you, this, this rule, is that you would not have been allowed to invite or to attend meals or gatherings with people who were considered to be less than you. Or in other words, if you happen to get an invitation to a dinner party by, let's say, the peasant carpenter in town, 
even if you liked that person, if you wanted to keep your status, you could not attend that event. And it's also the case that you would not be able to invite those people as well. Anybody who was lower than you, you couldn't invite them to your house to participate with you in a meal or hang out with them. And all because who you eat with or who you spend time with defines who you are. Now, at first, I know that sounds a bit strange to our modern ears in that we think we have moved beyond this, this kind of thinking, these kind of rules. We're more civilized than that. But sadly, the truth is, if you take any time at all to look for these unspoken rules and regulations being played out today, especially when it comes to who we eat with and spend time with, what you will find is that these rules haven't gone away. And to see this, just think back to your high school lunchroom and the status segregation that happened there. I don't care how old you are. Or just ask any teacher today what's going on in their lunchroom, what's going on in their classrooms to see just how prevalent these unspoken rules still are. Or to really see this, I'll give you a moment to think about who your friends are or who you spend most of your time with outside of your family. Because I can almost guarantee you that the people you spend time with not only look and think like you, but also belong to the same socioeconomic class as you do. Because the truth is, whether you're aware of it or not, or whether this is something that you do intentionally or not, what you will find is that these rules and regulations, which define where people fit within our society, are still at work in all of our lives, proclaiming who is in and who is out. Or even today, whom you eat with or whom you spend time with defines who you are. And yes, you should feel very, very uncomfortable at this point. Okay, so now that you understand all of that, you are now at a place where you can begin to comprehend how Jesus used something as simple as a dinner table to change the world, both then and back now. So, what happens when you begin to examine the life and ministry of Jesus in light of these rules and regulations that you will find that a significant part of what Jesus did to cause his kingdom to come was spent intentionally breaking these specific rules, which he did by eating and spending time with a whole bunch of people who were considered to be less than him. Or Mark 2, 13 through 17 kind of gives us a picture of what Jesus was all about. It says this, Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd gathered around him and he taught them. As he was walking along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Or what we find happening in this episode of the Gospel of Mark is that after Jesus had just finished another round of teaching out at the Sea of Galilee and is walking back to town, he just so happens to pass by a tax collector's booth. But this time, instead of just passing by, like he's done so many times before, Jesus does the unthinkable. He stoops, looks Levi in the eyes and says, follow me, follow me. Which is significant because follow me was not just a command that Jesus gave to this tax collector and so he just got up and followed. No, the phrase follow me 
was actually the invitation that was given by all Jewish rabbis when they were calling someone to become their disciple. Or when they were calling someone whom they deemed to be worthy to become one of their students. Now, what makes this particular calling so important for what we're talking about today is that Jesus, without any kind of hesitation, actually calls a tax collector to be one of his disciples. And what you need to know about tax collectors at this time, if you don't already, is that these are Jewish people who have sold out their brothers and sisters and all to collect money for the enemy or to collect money from Rome, which was making most Jewish people's lives miserable, which means in the ancient Jewish world, you didn't get any lower than a tax collector. In that tax collectors were considered to be the scum of the earth, the, the dirtbags of all dirtbags, because they were guilty of selling out their own people so they could get rich. But even though that's the case, Jesus has the audacity to call one of these dirt bags to become one of his 12 main disciples. And if that's not bad enough, or if it's not bad enough that Jesus makes one of these dirt bags his disciple, Jesus also does this. He sat at dinner in Levi's house, and many tax collectors and sinners were also sitting with Jesus. And his disciples. For there were many who followed him. Note that. For there were many who followed him. Or, or what Jesus is doing is he is actually sitting down to eat. With these people who are considered to be the worst possible people in his society. Which is exactly why the religious leaders respond like this. This is how things worked. When the scribes and Pharisees saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax collectors. They said to his disciples. Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Or what in God's name does Jesus think he's doing by eating with these dirt bags and sinners? Doesn't he know that who you eat with defines who you are? Or doesn't he know he's going to ruin his reputation? But when Jesus heard this, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Or what Jesus does here is not to deny the scumbaggery of who these people are and what they have done. And yes, I just use scumbaggery in a sentence. But instead has turned the rule who you eat with defines who you are on its head. And all by not allowing himself to be defined by these people and their questionable reputations, but instead by redefining who they are. Because ultimately what Jesus is doing by eating with these scumbags in a world where that is not allowed was proclaiming to the world that these people who are considered to be the worst of their time were his equal. That's right. That is what he is proclaiming at this table because that's what it means to eat with someone in the ancient world. He proclaimed that the worst of the worst were his equal. Or that these people were worthy to sit at the table of God. And if they're worthy and good enough to sit at God's table, right? Then they're worthy enough to sit at anyone's table. And I told you this was going to blow your 
mind. Oftentimes, something that we miss, something as simple as this, we miss it. But if you get it, it just absolutely shows you how revolutionary Jesus was, even having meals with people. I mean, just amazing. So anyway, there's even more than that. Because what happens when you do a bit of research on how the Lord's Supper or communion was celebrated in the early church you will discover that a part of the foundation of this sacred meal or part of what made this simple act of remembrance so powerful and world-changing is that at this table, because it was Jesus' table, because it originated with Jesus, everyone, regardless of who they were or what they had done, was welcome. That's right. What made the table of our Lord so scandalous and revolutionary in the ancient world and even today when you think about it? is that at this table, everyone, and I mean everyone, regardless of race, color, class, gender, mental ability, net worth, success, failures, and yes, even the dirt bags are welcome at the table of our Lord. And all because Jesus' table was an intentional place where all of those rules and regulations that were meant to keep people in their places or to define who people were, were intentionally torn down as God declared to the world that everyone is equal and that everyone is worthy to sit at my table. Come on now, this is world transforming stuff. And you guys are just sitting there on your couch like you just watched another episode of the Tiger King. Come on, people. So what all of that means is that another big part of, of what it looks like to bring heaven to earth in all we do is to become the kind of people who not only show up to the church week in and week out to participate in this revolutionary table where all are welcome. But it also means we are being called to become, become the kind of people that take this same kind of mentality beyond the communion table by treating everyone as our equals or by treating everyone for who they really are, a beloved child of God. And all because if we will actually do this, or if we will really become the kind of people who dare to step outside of the norm by eating with and spending time with and treating people as our equals, just like Jesus did, that's how we'll play our part in helping to create a world where what's going on in the United States at this very moment with the murder of George Floyd and the response of millions will never happen again. Or that, my friend, is how important Jesus' revolutionary table etiquette is, even today. Let us pray. Uh, Father, we come before you this morning and blown away by the fact that you use something as simple as a dinner table to transform the world. And the way that you went about transforming the world was just by eating with those whom everyone else thought was not good enough. By having a meal with those who were considered to be uh, the worst of the worst. Which you did to proclaim to them and to the world that in your eyes, they're your equal. 
or they are equal to everyone in the world, no matter who they are or what they have done. So Lord, as that kind of resonates with inside us, as we continue to wrestle with that idea, may we come to see that doing the same thing, eating with people, spending time with people, treating people as our equals, is what you are calling us to do every single day to continue to cause your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our Lord, help us to become those people who are brave enough even when people mock us or make fun of us to treat all people as our brothers and sisters in Christ. We ask this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.